When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of SFF Yeah! is sponsored in part by Book Riot Insiders, and you can bag your bookish perks with a 14-day free trial. When you sign up for a monthly or yearly novel subscription, the first 14 days are free automatically. No coupon code or anything like that. It'll just happen like magic. And once you have your subscription, you will be able to get the awesome perks like the new release index, which is curated by all the books host Liberty Hardy, which will help you keep track of the most exciting upcoming books. You can put them on your wish list so you remember them when the week they come out, because I'm always forgetting those things. You will also get to listen to exclusive podcasts and read newsletters just for you, written by our staff. We have a monthly swag bag giveaway. There's all kinds of great stuff. You should come on in. Your bag of bookish perks is waiting. Go to bookriot.com insiders to find out more. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 32, and we are recording on August 9th. I'm Jen Northington, and Sharifa is on vacation. So I am here with special guest Swapna Krishna, who is a space, science, and tech journalist with Endgadget, and also writes about sci-fi and fantasy at Sci-Fi. Woo! Hello! Yay! I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you. Swapna and I spend basically all day G-chatting each other about nerdy things. Yes. So So this is very strange to be doing it live, but I mean, I'm here for it. Yay. yay. Yes. Uh, I think it's going to be a good time and I'm excited to hear some of your thoughts on some of our news because there is a bunch of news. Um, Today, our theme is recent debuts, so we will also have that for you. But first, I am going to tell you about our first sponsor, which is Garrison Girl by Rachel Aaron. It is an Attack on Titan novel uh, coming this August from Quirk Books. So just in time for a new season of the hit anime, Quirk Books presents Garrison Girl, a new YA novel set in the universe of Attack on Titan. It's a world where carnivorous giants threaten humanity's survival, and the noble-born Rosalie Dumarc isn't content to sit back and let others fight. After joining the ranks of the Walrose Garrison, she is thrust into a dangerous new world where she must earn the respect of her fellow soldiers, tangle with corrupt officers, navigate a forbidden romance, uh-oh, and survive an attack from a colossal titan. So this is a brand new story with new characters, but it is set in the world of the manga and the anime, and it is great for fans of the show, as well as general readers of dystopian YA fiction. So again, that is Garrison Girl by Rachel Aaron. Check it out. Uh, And thanks so much for sponsoring the show. All right. What news story do you want to look at first? I am going to be completely unsurprising. (laughs) You know exactly which one I'm going to pick. Which... There is going to, I don't even know if I can say this without crying. There is going to be a new Star Trek show featuring Captain, featuring Captain Picard. Like, I mean, I guess it might be Admiral Picard or like retired Picard, but whatever, Patrick Stewart is coming back to Star Trek (laughs) in a TV show. 
I knew this. I did know that this would be your first pick. And I think it's important that our listeners know the depth of your obsession with Star Trek. So, for example, is it not true that you tweet with some of the actors from Discovery? I do. I give Anthony Rapp book recommendations, (laughs) (laughs) like which is surreal. Sometimes I'm like, what is my life? But um, yes, Anthony Rapp and I tweet a lot about SFF books and we um, I give him He's, he asks me for book recommendations, which is insane, but, you know, I'll take it. I don't yeah. know what my, like, 13-years-old self would think if she knew, but I will take it. <laughs> so, okay, but yeah, so so there's going to be a new Star Trek, and it's going to be another CBS All Access series. Yes. And it says in the press release that it's the next chapter in Picard's life. And I actually hadn't thought that through until you said, like, oh, maybe it'll be Admiral. Do you think, like, do you think he'll be on a spaceship? What do you think they're going to do? So my guess, if I had to guess, because I know they are also going to be, uh, they were also looking into a Starfleet Academy show. So it kind of makes sense to combine those two to me, do like an Admiral Picard show where like he's at the Academy and kind of, I mean, not exactly like Saved by the Bell with Mr. Belting, but like, kind of. Oh my Um, gosh. Um, like, uh, I, I don't know. I That is one thing. Or, like, he's retired and done with Starfleet. Because we know this takes place 20 years after Nemesis, which is mm. the last next-gen movie. So we know that Data is functionally dead. Um, sorry for those of you who didn't watch Nemesis, which is probably a lot of you because it's not Spoilers. a great movie. Yeah. But, I mean, he's kind of... There was a hint that he could be coming back through another android. Like, we don't know what's going on there. Um, I would be very surprised, given how close-knit that cast is, if they didn't bring back um, the, you know, the rest of the cast at one point or another in the show. But they've made it clear this is a Jean-Luc Picard show and not, like, a next-gen show, so. Mm, interesting, interesting. Yeah, I am in theory here for it, although I'm, I guess I maybe, will this be the straw where I subscribe to CBS All Access? Like, I know. stay tuned. I don't know. <laughs> I think for a lot of people, this will be it. Um this will convince them to. And if they're smart, which so far they have been relatively smart about the CBS All Access rollout, um, they will stagger the shows. So if you want to watch both, you have to subscribe for a longer amount of time rather than Ooh. running them concurrently. Yeah. So um, I am here for the, I mean, I am so here for the show. It's not even funny. I just really hope they don't give us like dark, grim, dark, like, Picard who's damaged and like you know we need the optimistic we need like the moral Captain Picard not like which I don't think they'll do because I think they get it um because Discovery kind of started out grimdark and then completely changed its tone and it was that was really nice um so yeah I'm really excited for this yeah I I am too I will Either continue to borrow somebody else's login, (laughs) whoops, or I will actually subscribe. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I should probably check out what else they have because it might cumulatively be worth it for this and Discovery and whatever else is on there. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Well, I know that we have been covering this um, as it's developed, so I want to go to the Worldcon update next. Um, The last time one of these shows aired, we had talked about how they were... They had made some huge mistakes in terms of how they were putting together the programming. They had misgendered panelists. They had 
just like marginalized some of the creators like they had done whoever was originally on the team had done a very poor job and had lots of excuses that were nonsense about how it happened um there has been an update uh there was a team put together by um or put together i don't know who put the team together but mary robinette cowell was in charge of it um and there's a there's going to be a link both to uh, an overall story about this and her blog which has more about the details but basically the team redid all of the programming and um it looks better it looks better there are some really interesting new panels including things about fanfic as um a, like a space for reclaiming hostile canons there's one about own voices fiction which i was particularly glad to see because the organizers had said some really ignorant things about own voices in one of the emails that got posted to Twitter. So it, it, I, I'm hopeful that this is a case where not only was there sort of an apology, but actually a make good. Have you been following this at all? I've been following it a little bit, and I was just baffled at just how bad it was. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you be... Because, like, when something like this happens, and not at this level, but, you know, when it's just a couple of things, I try to give the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. You know? And this was... It was so bad that, like, mm-hmm. even me trying to be optimistic, there's no way you could give it the benefit of the doubt. It wasn't no. just that we're not paying attention to this. It's like we are specifically, like, doing things that are not, like trying to be inclusive and diverse yeah. because we don't want to be inclusive. It was terrible. but it was I'm, really bad. I like Mary Robinette Cowell from the little I know of her, and the little I know of her is I've read her um, recent duology, um, The Calculating Stars and the Faded Sky, um, which is really good, and I really, really love those books. But they're very inclusive. Um, they're about – they're, they're like lady astronauts in um, – in what would happen if the early space program – was had women as well as men and it's Mm. it goes into a lot of race issues that it didn't need to go into necessarily i mean it needed to to be a good book but she didn't have to take that on and she did Mm. so i like her um just from that and so when i heard she was in charge of the redo i was um somewhat optimistic and it looks good the programming looks good yeah it's definitely definitely improved so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out in terms of the actual experience of the con, because, I mean, there has been a lot <laughs> that's yeah. gone down immediately yeah. preceding. Um, and the con is soon, in fact, oh, I don't have my calendar in front of me, but it's I'm pretty sure it's right around when this will air um, on the 15th, so, or, or the following week anyway it's it's not too far out so um yeah it's gonna be interesting to see i will be curious to see reports of how it went uh is what i'm particularly interested in at this point yeah i'm very curious to see what happens and like the reports from the panelists and attendees mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah all right what do you want to do next um okay can we talk about the weirdness with the discovery of witches show oh my gosh yes let's talk about it <laughs> because like i'm so confused um and i say this as a like i i read the first book in the galley like i have been a fan of this universe for a long time the books are problematic like if you haven't read them there's definitely some problematic stuff um so i'm not trying to say they're perfect but they're just a lot of fun like i really enjoy them i did a reread recently and i feel like they hold up in terms of entertainment value um 
uh, with all the problematic caveats. So, but, so, fans have been waiting for, like, years for this to be turned into a TV show, and I've been, you know, kind of following the developments. And so, finally, like, it's picking up full steam, it's coming out in the UK in September, you know, Matthew Good is playing, like, the main character Matthew, um, like... Wait, his uh, name is also Matthew? Yeah. I missed that. Yeah, That's Matthew funny. Claremont and mm. Matthew Good. And then um, I'm blanking on her name is playing one of the lesbian aunts um, from Doctor Who. Oh, yes. The woman. River, River Song. <laughs> I, know. I know. was it who she was in Doctor Who. I'm, I'm totally blanking on her name. But anyway, so it's 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 it looks like it'll be really good. It looks really campy, um, which... I'm here for because the series is kind of cheesy, but it's so good. Um, It's really entertaining. And then at Comic-Con at SDCC, they announced the U.S. broadcaster, finally. And it's really weird. It is really weird because it's Sundance, but it's their, like, subscription service. Alex Kingston, by the way. Alex Kingston. Is her name. Yes, yes, Um, Yeah, so Sundance is gonna air it. And, like, what? Like, I don't understand this on several levels. Um, Like, many... Okay, first of all, um, every... I think the reaction was from everyone was, like, Sundance has a streaming service? Right. Because I didn't know they did. And I, like, you know, we cover streaming services pretty extensively on Engadget. So the fact that I didn't know is... it's, It's not great. And then... Um, this isn't really, like, an independent production. Like, I think it's, like, a Sky TV production, which, like, I, it's just, I, I, I don't understand, and I'm not sure if nobody wanted it, which is hard to believe, given they were given, like, a Hall H panel at SDCC, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the fandom for this is just rabid. Like, it has its own convention, like, yeah. yearly convention, and so, or the bidding war was really big and Sundance really wanted it to be able to launch its streaming service or like you know bring more attention to its streaming service I don't know which it was but either way it's weird yeah those were the exact two most obvious like reasons that this has happened this way that occurred to me as well like either nobody wanted it or Sundance paid out the wazoo for it Um, and I don't know which is more likely because it just seems so confusing Um, but yeah I just I just kind of don't know. Are you gonna Are you gonna sign up and watch it? I will probably end up covering it in some way for sci-fi. Mm. I've already actually talked to them about screeners. Yes. So course, I will. I, I will either get probably get a comp subscription or just like screen. But I would not if if I was just if it was just me. I would not. I might. I'm depending on the pricing. I might be willing. Once all the episodes have aired, because if they're smart, they're not going to dump them all at once. They'll, right. you know, pace it out week to week. Um, I might I pay for a month, uh, like, you know, like seven or ten dollars a month to watch the entire show at once. But like, I mean, like I said, this is a show with a big fandom, but it's not like Star Trek, which is like a franchise with like yeah. a decades long history where you you really could launch a streaming service on the back of it. Like, mm. but I, I just, I don't know. Yeah, I know. It's just, I, it's a head scratcher. It's a head scratcher. And I really wonder if it was, like, if it is their flagship show that they're launching with and they paid a bundle for it, 
will it work? I yeah. just, I just wonder. I, just I wonder, wonder, especially because there are way too many streaming services now. Well, exactly, exactly. And um, if you're going to pick and choose, this, it's hard to justify s- subscribing for one show. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't know. We are, we are the shruggy emoji, like, right yes. now. Yes, yes. <laughs> collectively we are shruggy man um who knows it's strange all right well let's talk about another adaptation because i know you've read this book and i want to hear your take on this Mm. um andy weir's newest novel artemis is getting an adaptation and i haven't read the book but i have read and seen the martian and he does seem to write in a very in a way that makes his books very adaptable um and so it makes sense to me that this is happening. Um, I, what do you think about this, having read the book? Um, the book was fine. <laughs> like, it was, the book was fine. Like, I, and I say that as a person who loved The Martian, but uh, recognized that, you know, there are no, there, the lack of female characters in that book is noticeable. And um, so he tried to fix that, I think, in Artemis, because he did get some criticism for that. And... Uh, I mean, he does a fine job. Like, it's fine. Like, it's just, I mean, I don't know. It's hard because he is such a high profile author. It's really easy to point a finger at him and Mm -hmm. be like, you did a bad job writing women. But I think at this point, I mean, this is just my personal opinion, but most male authors kind of do not a great job writing women. Mm. Um, so, which is why I, mean, I, prim- I, I, yeah. I primarily read books that are written by women. That's why, because I, right. just, I don't think, um, and because like, we're not some sort of like strange creature you have to do research on. You just write a human, a believable human. And then like, you know, I don't know. So that- also though, I, one of the criticisms I heard of this book was that the main character could be read basically as like, like, like take like a stereotypical version of a dude and add boobs. Yeah, I mean I could definitely see that. It's just the character wasn't compelling. I think the gender didn't really have much to do with it for me personally. Like it was just like it was a really interesting story with a less interesting main character and I think he like added things to make her more interesting. Like I mm. think she has a Muslim heritage. She's not a, if I recall correctly, she's not a practicing Muslim. But and I, and he tried to do his research from what I understood he did have like sensitivity readers and people like reading I just I don't know. Um but I am glad they have a woman adapting it. Mhm. Mm-hmm. I am not sure about Phil Lord and Chris Miller directing. Mm. Um they are they were fired from I believe they're the, they're yeah, they were fired from Solo the um oh. Han Solo movie. Um, that just came out in April. They were the ones that were fired like like a couple of months before the movie was set to come out, and they hired Ron Howard to come in and fix it. Right. So I don't know how I feel about that, but I mean, Andy Weir. Honestly, like I will probably read most of his books because I just I like the like actionly fun like adventure in space type book, and he writes the plot of that at least fun as fun and. Um, it'll, it'll make a good movie, I think. Yeah. I mean, Heist on the Moon is a great hook. Yes, it is. And that's, you know, the hook for Artemis. And I do think it will be very interesting 
to see it as written by. Um, so Geneva Robertson Dwart is the, is set to adapt it, and she recently worked on Captain Marvel and the new Tomb mm-hmm. Raider. Um, Obviously, we haven't seen Captain Marvel yet, but I heard good things about Tomb Raider, although I didn't get, make it to the theater in time to see it. So now I'm waiting for it to come to streaming. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. I do. I think it's interesting. I think I will likely like I might not go opening weekend, but I will likely go to see this, especially depending on who gets cast as Jasmine. That yes. Is super curious to see. Yeah, I agree. I it'll depend on who's cast and like also part one of the like joys of the Martian movie for me and I do I will say I love that movie. Um is just the stunning visuals. Mm-hmm. And so I really think there's a lot of potential for that with the moon setting as well. Yeah. Um so I I do assuming they get the casting right, I do think it'll make a fun movie. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Um, let's see. I think we have time for one more story. Do you have something you want to dig let's into? Let's talk about the um, Arthur C. Clarke Award winner. Oh, okay. Let's do that. So the Arthur C. Clarke Award 2018 winner is Dreams Before the Start of Time by Anne Charnock. And I have never heard of this book <laughs> or this yeah. author. Same. I um it's always interesting to me to follow like I follow the a bunch of different sci-fi fantasy prizes, right? Because I'm always curious to see what's getting, you know, uh, accolades and sometimes with the international prizes I'm like I don't know what that is and then sometimes I'm like oh yes I know that book um and this is definitely one of the ones that I do not know about um and so I was looking at it and it looks super interesting um I'm glad that it is on my radar now but it was I was just like it's a what now it's a who? Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah. But it's a five generation, you know, sci-fi about reproductive science. Like that's this is very interesting. It's me. like this is very much in my wheelhouse. So now I'm kind of like, how did I not know about this? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, Forty Seven North, if I'm remembering correctly, is Amazon's imprint. Yes, it is one of Amazon's imprints. But I don't remember if it's there. I think it might be their sci-fi imprint. I know it is. Yeah. And, and it's, so it is perhaps not as surprising to me that I haven't heard of it because, you know, they're not, they're not sending me galleys. Um, they do send me galleys. So that's why I'm like, yeah, I do. And they're very, um, they're, they're pretty good about, um, like they put out a book earlier this year called Obscura, which, was I, I had some issues with it, but I really enjoyed it. So, like, I've been keeping an eye out for what they've been doing, but this just completely fell off my radar. Like, I just had no idea, but it sounds so interesting. Yeah, I wonder, too, if the release is not... Like, has it made its way to the U.S. yet? I couldn't verify easily. Um, but sometimes, you know, they... Like something gets windowed, it comes out way earlier in the UK than it comes out in the US. Like yeah, that well, the powers I mean, by it Naomi came out Alderman last year in the well, US. Well, right, exactly in the oh, US yeah. too. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what like according to Amazon, which yes. I mean. Well, so there you go, then. There's no good reason that we haven't heard of this. No good reason. (laughs) Well, we'll be looking into it. Yeah, and it's short, too, which I like. It's like 250 pages or something, Mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. is like, I mean, don't get, I love, you know, 
chewing into like a meaty, like huge SFF novel, but I also like it when it's just, you know, in and out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just another book to add to our toppling oh TBR box. I know. I'm like, I'm like, it's backlist. I'm never going to read it. <laughs> it's, it's, I have a better shot at that than you do. You yeah. have to cover my pub date. I, don't, I know. So. I just, it's, it's the, it's like the worst. I'm going on vacation next week and I'm so excited to read books that are, have been like piling up because I don't have to read for work when I'm gone and I'm yes. very excited about it. Oh, that's so nice. Y'all, I have seen Swepna's like incoming galley table. It's a whole <laughs> table. And then there's like 14 boxes on the floor next to the table. And I'm like, please take some of these. <laughs> yes. She because- is it's true. She is my dealer, my galley dealer for stuff I didn't get. I'm like, oh, did you get this? Great. Just send it on over. <laughs> yeah, because if, if it's not like I am just realistic with you, you know, if it's backlist, I'm not gonna read it because I'm just constantly trying to keep up with what's coming out. Yeah. Yep. That's real. All right. Let's see. Let's do our second sponsor and we'll dig into some recent debuts. I'm very excited to talk about that. But first, our second sponsor is Bellwether by Susanna Kearsley. And this is for all of you fans who love historical fiction, which I know some of you do. Um, This is set in uh, it's late summer. There's a war on and families are torn apart by divided loyalties and deadly secrets. Um, And a young French Canadian lieutenant is captured and billeted with a Long Island family. Uh, So he's captured, note. Um, And he starts to work on the household task and the farm chores because he doesn't really have an option. And he finds himself drawn to the daughter of the house, Lydia Wilde, who comes to lean on him as a true soldier and a gentleman until their lives become inextricably intertwined. And legend has it that the forbidden love between the soldier and Lydia ended tragically. But centuries later, the clues lay left behind slowly unravel the true story. So Susanna is a New York Times and USA excuse me USA Today bestselling author and a reader winner. And this book has been described as a seamless journey through past and present and is highly anticipated because it is her first new book in about three years. Um, Best-selling author who you might have heard of, Diana Gabaldon, says she's loved every one of Susanna's books and specifically praises this one as spellbinding. So if you are a historical fiction fan, historical mystery fan, historical romance fan, you are going to want to check this out. So again, that's Bellwether by Susanna Kearsley. Okay, recent debuts. This was it was hard to narrow this down. It was so many good ones. I was changing my picks like as of yesterday. (laughs) So yes, I love that. Well, why don't you start us off with your first sci-fi pick? All right. Okay, so I chose Suicide Club, a novel about living by Rachel Hang, and this came out on um, July tenth. So it's like at the time of recording, it's about a month old. Um, okay, so this is, it's a, as you can tell by the title, it's kind of a provocative novel. Um, and it's basically about, it's set in this, in a, like, future U.S. society in which living is the most important thing and people are expected to basically stay alive at all costs. So technology has advanced to the point where they can replace pretty much anything like your heart your organs your skin your eyes they can replace anything and prolong your life but not everyone is kind of is will take well to that kind of life prolonging i guess is the word so um you are basically evaluated at birth or at a very young age um as to how long your life expectancy 
is. And so if you have a short life expectancy, like a normal human life expectancy, under 100 years, then you're kind of the lowest class of society. Like you're treated the worst, you work the worst jobs, you don't have any really upward mobility or potential. But the most prized people are the people who are potential quote-unquote lifers. So that's our main character, Leah, is a lifer. And so she has the ability to possibly live forever if she lives correctly, quote-unquote. And so basically, like, the book, it's just like she lives a terrible life. Like, she goes to work, you know, works really hard, but not too hard. um, And has to, you know, eats, like... Like, meat, nobody eats meat, no one eats, like, you know, and no one eats anything unhealthy, like sugar, or, and it's just, like, her life is very bland. And so, but she is, like, really into, you know, being the best company girl she can and the best, you know, government, you know, sympathizer that she can because she really wants to qualify for a new program that will enhance her even more. But then, like, a chance encounter on the streets with her estranged father who didn't agree with all of this um, and all of these changes and all of these, you know, artificial enhancements to humanity kind of throws her for a loop. And she's introduced to the Suicide Club, which is basically a club of people who want the right to die on their own terms. And it's just, it's a really, it's just a fascinating book. I really enjoyed it. I, I, I mean, enjoy is, is, you know, it's hard to use that term for a book like this. And, but it's not too heavy, which I really appreciated because given the subject matter, I thought it would be really hard to read. And there are really some, there are, of course, some difficult moments um, and some vi- just visceral moments. But it's just, it's just, it's just a, such a, I think part of, one thing I do enjoy about kind of near future type sci-fi is like looking at the differences between the haves and have nots and how it is similar and differs from what we have now because we Mm. have such a stratified society now. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting to see how authors interpret that as changing or not, or, um, you know, now like in this book it's divided by who has the potential to live forever and who doesn't um, because I just, I just, I find it fascinating to kind of explore that. But I think the real, I think the real, um, the most interesting part of it is kind of the subtitle, which, you know, the title is Suicide Club, but then the subtitle is a novel about living. And what is it to live? And is Leo, is what Leah doing living is kind of the real overarching question. Yeah, I've had my eye on that one, too. And it is such a potentially heavy premise. It is. Yeah. It is. But it Hang Desert really well. She writes, I will say, um, and you'll know what I mean, she writes, the book feels like it was written by someone with an MFA. Mm, like and prosy sort yes. of. Yeah. And she does have an MFA, so that's why. But it's not, <laughs> it's not. Um, that that's not a, like an insult or anything like that. It's just it's very it's very literary. It's not what I would consider like a hard sci-fi book. Um, you know, the publisher Holt is not a sci-fi publisher, but it's um, it's very it's it's. I just I found it so interesting. 
It's the kind of book that gets labeled speculative fiction. It is. It is absolutely that kind of book. Yeah, yeah. Which is fine. I like, you know, I like a good spec fic, um, even though I often do think they are sci-fi, especially when you're hinging on a technology like, you know, that changes your genetics or whatever. It's very, that's very science-y, but we will let them, we will let them have their speculative fiction. Yeah, if they they need a different label, that's (laughs) fine, but it it, it is sci-fi. Like, Awesome. Um, well, I was joking with uh, you before we started when we were still picking, and I was like, yeah, we can fight over this one. So I was very pleased that I got to pick An Ocean of Minutes by Thea Lim, because I know that we have both read it. And this book is another one that like takes a really heavy subject, but manages to inject both some levity and a lot of heart into it. Um, it is also unique in my reading experience in that it is a time travel novel that where the characters go forward but they're going forward to our past Mm -hmm. so it it starts in the 1980s when a flu or yeah a deadly flu epidemic is sweeping across america and time travel has also been recently discovered and is being controlled by this corporation and they are actively recruiting certain types of people uh, to send forward into the future in exchange for medical care for example if your loved one is ill Um, and Polly is a young woman who is dating Frank and they are in love and you know they're committed to each other and then Frank gets sick and so Polly decides sides because she is sort her specialty is in upholstering and that and that happens for reasons that are unclear at the start of the book to be on the list of desired jobs for being sent into the future um and so polly goes in and they promise to heal frank if she will sign the contract um she basically signs away a certain number of working hours slash days slash years to the company uh in the future in exchange for frank getting treatment that he would otherwise not get. And they have it all worked out. They're going to meet at this specific place in Texas at this hotel. And it's only going to be 12 years. Like, they can totally survive. They'll still be young. Like, it'll be fine. Um, Except she gets rerouted 17 years into the future. And the landscape is not how she left it. And the culture is certainly not how she left it. Um, There is now a separate United States and then separate America. And she is basically on the wrong side of the border. Um, And she is just sort of thrust into this very confusing version of a future America that's also our past. It's weird. It's weird. Like I said, it's hard to talk about. Um, but she's in the 90s, in a different, an alternate 90s of, of the United States of America. And, you know... It, her adventure is sort of both trying to be reunited with Frank, but also like trying to figure out, you know, how to navigate this new world that she finds herself in where you wouldn't think that a decade would be enough to just completely rewrite everything you think you know about how society works. And uh, Thea Lim is tackling immigration. She's tackling racism. She's tackling misogyny. Like there's a lot of, of social commentary, but it's done in a really sort of almost absurdist fashion. Like it is very much 
it's like it's funny but it's sort of painfully funny because you're like oh this is awful like I know you're like presenting it in an absurd way to both get it across and also to lighten it up but wow like this is awful Mm -hmm. um and she's also asking this really big question about like what love is and what can a relationship survive and the answers are not easy um Oh, and I will include this in the show notes as well, but this book comes with a trigger warning for sexual assault. Um, So there are a lot of serious moments, and ultimately it is a very sort of bleak vision of a potential future of America. Um, And I think that it's like you were saying, you know, it holds up this wonky mirror um, that we can look at ourselves by, and I think it does so really, really well. I was really impressed with this book. It made perfect sense to me that she credits Matt Johnson as a mentor because his book Pym, which is very satirical and is like an adventure sort of journey down the rabbit hole, but also is full of social commentary. Like it, it, it reminded, it makes perfect sense to me that, that they would have worked together because that is, I think, very much what she's doing here. And I was so impressed that it was a debut because I the know. pacing, right? The pacing was so good. It was and I, this is one of those books where the main character should have driven me crazy, mm. given what I like in a book, because she is very passive, understandably, because there's all this, you know, there's all this stuff going on, and she has no idea how she fits into it. Uh, but it didn't, because it's just so well written. Yeah, I have to agree. I really liked Polly a lot. And I liked her from the get-go, even as I was like, oh, these are terrible choices that you're making. Like, don't make these mm-hmm. choices. Um, like, don't sign your way your life to a corporation. Number uh. Rule number one of life. Don't do that. Um, but, yeah, she she is just sort of battered by forces. And she doesn't... She sometimes, again, makes decisions where you're like, why are you doing this? Um, But also it it does make perfect sense why she does these things. Mm -hmm. And she does retain sort of this internal integrity, I want to say, that I found really compelling. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So this book is great, especially if you do like sort of near future books. Um, the time travel is really, you know, a plot device to get her to this strange world, but it also allows her to play with these concepts. Um, and especially this big question about like what a relationship can survive. And I just thought it was great. I thought it was really good. Uh, this one also came out in July um, on the 10th unintentional theme there. So again, that's An Ocean of Minutes by Thea Lim. Um, okay, so my fantasy pick, it's a little older, but it still came out this year, so I'm counting it as recent. Yes. Um, it's Mark's Woman by Rathi, Merho- Rathi Merhotra, I think is probably how you pronounce that. Um, and I really, really, really enjoyed this book, and I didn't see it getting a lot of attention, which made me sad, because I really, I thought it was great. So um, it came out on June tw- or J- sorry January twenty third, and it's a South Asian inspired fantasy novel that um, basically features magical lady assassins. So yes. yeah, I know. Like, how can you not love it? Um, so Kira is a markswoman, and she serves in the Order of Kali. Which um, in the this fantasy world, there are multiple kind of um, orders of all of these highly trained women. Um, and they all, you know, are warriors. 
So um, she is pledged to keep the peace and pledged to kind of be selfless and not work for personal goals, but work for the good of the land she lives in. But really, like, her family was murdered when she was young. So Kara, like, she harbors the secret desire to avenge her family and finally make them pay for, uh, make the, the perpetrators of their murder pay for what they did. Um, and so she is a very young member of this, you know, of this society, but she kind of has a special mentorship bond with the leader. And so others are kind of jealous of her um, bond and the relationship there. And so, as you can imagine, everything goes terribly. And the the leader of the um, Order of Kali dies and Tamsin, who was, I think, the third in command, um, decides to take over the order, and she hates Kira. So she basically, um, and Kira suspects Tamsin of being responsible for killing their leader and isn't quiet about it, which forces Kira on the run. And so, basically, it's just this incredible magical story of this young woman who she's like it's part coming of age novel part you know like the fantasy kind of realizing that everything around you is not what it seems and everything you've been told you know is a lie or has some like shade of the truth and isn't the full truth and I love just those self-discovery type novels where you know that the landscape and the history is holding some kind of mystery and you kind of have to figure out what it is um but also, one thing I specifically enjoyed, really enjoyed about this book, is that it's South Asian inspired, which I am Indian, so I always keep an eye out for that. But not, I feel like a lot of the South Asian inspired fantasy you find is based on, um, kind of, based on like very religious, it's more based on like religious myths and mm. legends mm -hmm. than just kind of the setting is inspired by South Asia and like the way the people are and the customs. And so this book, I appreciated that it was not, not that there's anything wrong with those books. I will read all those books all day because I love them, but it's just, it, this was just a refreshing change. Like it was something different, you know, it was, it was, it's inspired by South Asian fantasy, but it's not really, it doesn't, didn't feel to me to be based on anything specific. Um, and it, it, it's a, it's a really, I don't know, it's a really, it's just really, it was a really fun novel, a really interesting glimpse into a world, and I believe it's the first in a series, mm -hmm. um, the Asiana series, which Asiana is the name of the place that they live, and so, um, and there's like, it was, there's like a lot of magic, and I don't know. I really liked it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I loved this one too. And there's there's like alien technology. Yeah, sort of like it's super around. weird. Like just yeah. the blend of sci-fi and fantasy, and it's kind of post-apocalyptic. Mm -hmm. The landscape, so you wonder if it's like set in like a like a way distant. Like you don't know what. Like it's kind of there's it there's a really weird blend of this and uh, blend of SFF, and I just wasn't expecting that given like the summary and the author's just very creative with the setting. 
Yeah, I totally agree. It it reads as like another like, oh, it's a desert like magic assassin book. Like there's mm-hmm. that is definitely like a trope that has been done, but I haven't seen anybody do it the way that she does this one. And mm-hmm. I can't wait for the next one. Yeah. Like I just I reviewed this when it came out. I've been like, yeah, I I but I yeah, it didn't get it didn't seem to me to appear too many places or get too much traction, which was a bummer because it's so interesting. It is. And I think yeah. part of it was um, it came out in January, which, yeah. you know. Never and then, easy. Right. And then also, I think um, this publisher put out City of Brass mm-hmm. by S.A. Chakraborty, like, two months before that. And that book was just huge. Like, yeah. unreal. Like, that book was huge. So I think, um, and it's the same publisher, so I think it just kind of got lost in the kind of... A, like Asian Middle Eastern kind of inspired, but it's just it's very different. So I highly recommend this. Oh like, yeah, super. It's different. so good. Mm-hmm. So so good. Ugh, love it. I know. All right, let's see. Well, so my sci-fi pick was pretty heavy, so I wanted to pick something that was a little bit lighter for my fantasy pick, and I am obsessed with this book that I'm about to tell you about. It is Witchmark by C.L. Polk, and this is so good. It is set in a sort of alternate, I mean, it's not called England, but it's like a pseudo-England, a very Edwardian era, um, like right, you know, during World War One is, is, is sort of the influences that I I read into it. And um, in this world, magic is real. And there are these noble families who use their unique magical gifts to control, uh, you know, politics. But at the same time, if you are a commoner, with magic, you are like denounced as a witch and you are sent away to an asylum because you're going to go insane. So like nobles are allowed to have magic, but it's different Mm -hmm. than if, you know, commoners and the poor have magic. Not the same, quote unquote, right? Not the same. (laughs) Ha ha. Um, And the main character, oh, and part of the way that magic is controlled is that even in the noble families, like, if you have magic, you are, like, sort of tied to another person who gets to control your magic. So our main character, Miles Singer, um, has magic, but he is sort of in hiding. He doesn't want to go to an asylum for obvious reasons. And um, he also, you start to find out exactly why he fled his family. Um, But so he is sort of hiding out in this veterans hospital working as a doctor. And he himself is a veteran. He went to war and came back and um, really feels strongly about uh, helping other veterans of the war. And he's working there and he's like, you know, just like using little teeniest bits of magic here and there to help things along. But he starts to notice that there's something weird about these soldiers who have come back and they have sort of like a, you know, they have shell shock or PTSD as we know it to be now, but there's perhaps something more supernatural going on with them. And as he's trying to dig into this, everything around him sort of gets drastically more complicated. Somebody like he gets called in on a case and somebody dies in his arms and he meets this mysterious man and, you know, maybe his family is going to track him down and everything just kind of explodes from there. And it, there are a lot of high stakes in this book and it is dealing with some very heavy things like PTSD and, you know, like political chicanery and, um, 
But then it's got this beautiful gay love story and really just endearing characters. And I was so swept away by it. I was just totally absorbed in the story. And the ending, it is a, the first in a series, so the, there's, oh, the door is open for more. But the ending was so satisfying. Oh, I just, I love this book so much. I when I um I asked you for an SFF recommendation of I was like I just need something that'll make me feel good. Yes. And you recommended this and it was you were so right. Oh my god, I love this book. <laughs> it's just so great. I just I just cared so much about all the characters and I just wanted them to be happy. You know, it's one of those books you're like don't hurt my magic babies. <laughs> I know. It was it was really good and I like it's heavy at times, but mm-hmm. like there's always this like light and hope at the center and Yes. It's so good. Ugh, yes, it's just great. It's great. I'm like, it's killing me that this book, it came out in June. And like, does that mean I'm gonna have to wait until next June for the sequel? Oh, like, God. that is just far too long. But not because it's a cliffhanger, just because like, I need to see what happens next for these characters. I need to see what's gonna happen to Miles, my buddy Miles. Um, so yeah, it's very, it's just, it's so compelling and so well done. And I can't wait to see what CL Polk does next. It's really, it's really, really good. So again, that is Witchmark by CL Polk. And that is our show. Thank you all so much for listening, um, and thank you to today's sponsors for making the show possible. If you do have a minute to rate or review the show on Apple Podcasts, please do. It helps other people to find the show, and we love to see the feedback. If you want to send us an email, you can ask for a theme or send us a news item or send us your thoughts on any of the things we've talked about today. It's sffyeah at bookriot.com. And Swapna, where can folks find you on the internet? Um, you can find me on Twitter at S Krishna. I am there a lot <laughs> more than I should be. Um, I'm also the co-host of a podcast called Daisy Geek Girls, um, which you can find on Twitter at Daisy Geek Girls, and you can find it wherever you um, list podcasts. Awesome. And I am primarily on Tumblr these days. It's jenirl.tumblr.com. Although I am I am dipping my toe back into the Twitter waters. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you next time. Yeah.